Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment four, we're going to be joined by Damon Phillips. He's the VP and GM of ESPN360.com. There's a whole new way to watch sporting events online, and we're going to discuss that more with Phillips in segment four. You might have watched the Tiger Woods Rocco Mediate playoff, the U.S. Open playoff on ESPN360.com, Wimbledon, Euro 2008, several really cool events on ESPN360.com. We're going to talk about all of that with Damon Phillips. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio this week by my producer, Bobby Corser. Bobby, I watched the NBA draft, and we're going to kind of break down the NBA draft in segment three of our show this week. But it just was very ho-hum to me. Uh, First of all, I thought ESPN's coverage was not very good. I like Van Gundy. I like Mark Jackson. I'm not a big fan of Jay Billis or Stephen A. Smith or Stuart Scott. The other thing that drives me crazy is the NBA has this ridiculous red tape rule where they have a moratorium on being able to announce trades. And I think it takes away from the intrigue of the draft. We saw several trades that were quote-unquote proposed but now these trades some of them for instance we live in Portland and there's a proposed trade between the Blazers and the Pacers where Jared Bayless goes from the Pacers to the Blazers he's the marquee player involved this thing won't be able to be announced officially until July 9th I mean how stupid is that having to wait at least two weeks to find out who your team officially drafts it's just ludicrous and again you know listen we love the NBA we say it on this show all the time but come on, you got to be smart about this stuff. It, it just hurts the product. Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. I mean, this is just one of those things. If you want people to tune into the draft, you know, there's all these mock drafts leading up to the draft. There's this big interest in the draft. The draft gets good TV ratings. But then you take the air out of the balloon when you can't announce where these guys are actually going to be playing, and they have to switch hats, and can they switch hats? And then you get coaches and GMs who are interviewed, and they can't talk about anything. They have a gag rule that's placed on them. It's ridiculous. All right, that's my rant. You'll hear more of it in segment three. Coming up next, Sports Business Radio Headlines of the Week. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, 
passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, we spoke last week in detail about the trial that has pitted the Seattle Supersonics against the city of Seattle. Well, Judge Marsha Peckman is, is expected to announce her ruling on the trial on Wednesday, July 2nd. Peckman is going to decide whether or not the Sonics can buy their way out of their current lease agreement at Key Arena or if they're going to have to honor the final two years of the lease. If the Sonics are allowed to buy their way out of the lease agreement, another court hearing will probably need to be held to determine how much money Sonics owner Clay Bennett will have to pay to the city of Seattle to void the agreement. Bennett has previously offered $26 million to buy his way out of the agreement. Now, Bobby, Bennett has said the Sonics are going to lose $60 million over the next two seasons if they're forced to stay in Seattle as a lame duck team. You know, we've seen this with the Cleveland Browns. We've seen this a few times before where a team has had to stay in a city where they're not going to be for the long term, and it's terrible for business. That's why David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA, has said, hey, listen, the Sonics' future in Seattle is not for the long term. Let them go, and if you let them go, I'll make sure that you're on the short list if we relocate a franchise or if there was ever a new franchise added to the league. I completely agree with you. I just think how it's funny is, you know, if the city of Seattle makes them stay, you can have an empty arena. Nobody's going to come watch your games. The Sonics have already had 25% of their staff quit. Their sponsors aren't renewing. Season ticket holders aren't renewing. Let them go to Oklahoma City. Let them make some money. Let it be a new positive star for the NBA instead of having to drudge through Seattle again for another year, possibly two, with a lame product. Now, Bennett has also said if they do get to go to Oklahoma City right away and get out of this contract at Key Arena, they will make $17 million over the next two years. So that's a $77 million swing. Either you're going to lose $60 million in Seattle if you have to stay, or you're going to make $17 million in Oklahoma City if you go, this according to numbers provided by the Sonics. Now, the losing side of this is going to wind up paying for most of the attorney fees. This, according to the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, the city, if it loses, would be responsible for about $2 million in fees. And the Sonics, if they lose, they're probably going to have to cover a little over a million dollars in legal fees for the city. So, you know, while everything else is at stake, if you lose, you have to pay the winner's attorney's fees that's adding insult to injury. It totally is. But, you know, maybe, hey, if Clay Bennett wins, you know, maybe he's nice and says, you know what, hey, city of Seattle, not only will I pay you for the money we owe for loose, but, you know, maybe we'll pick up your legal bill, too. Well, yeah, I mean, if you can buy your way out for $26 million, pay a few million dollars in legal fees, that's going to be far less than the $60 million that you're going to lose if you have to stay for the next two years. Our next headline, as Tiger Woods goes, so goes the golf world. So it's big news this week that he underwent successful reconstructive ACL surgery on his left knee. The cash cow of the golf world will miss the remainder of this season, as we told you last week, but is expected to return to competition in January of 2009. Bobby, again, the British Open, the PGA Championship, the Ryder Cup, those are the three main events that Tiger will miss. He's also going to miss hosting some of his own tournaments, uh, most notably the AT&T uh, National coming up 
uh, next weekend, I believe it is, in, in Washington, D.C. That benefits his foundation, the Chevron World Challenge in December. So it's going to be interesting, as we discussed last week, to see how the golf world moves on this year without Tiger Woods. And, you know, the one thing that I point out that you just mentioned in all those tournaments he's going to miss, the Ryder Cup, I think, stands out the most. U.S. hasn't had a real good showing, and honestly, he hasn't had a real good showing either. I think this was his year to kind of, you know, make the point, hey, you know what, I've had some rough goes, but I think this year was the year he was going to turn around. But now that he's not playing, it's going to be awful tough for the U.S. to compete. Well, the good news for the golf world and for Tiger Woods is that the doctor said that this surgery was such a success that it doesn't uh, – uh, it's not going to preclude Tiger from being healthy for many, many years to come. So it's not a serious, serious knee injury. So that's good news. Our next headline, the NHL has suspended Ducks owner Henry Samueli indefinitely from any involvement with the team or the league after Samueli this past Monday pleaded guilty to lying to the Securities and Exchange Commission. Sentencing in Samueli's case is scheduled for August 18th. And the NHL, after the ruling, will finalize the duration of Sam Welly's suspension and any other action the league deems appropriate. During Sam Welly's absence, Ducks CEO Michael Shulman will serve as Ducks governor and will manage the operations of the team. Sam Welly's wife, Ducks co-owner Susan Sam Welly, has told the league that she intends to abide by the terms of her husband's suspension. So basically... The Samuelis are out for the foreseeable future. They'll be back. But, you know, I'm, this is an interesting headline, both because it's sports-related, but also, Bobby, Dr. Henry Samueli is someone who uh, has been rumored to be a potential owner for an NBA team. He's tried to get an NBA team to Orange County and to the pond, which he also owns, where the Ducks play their home games. And now you would think this may be a black mark against him that will prevent him from maybe getting that NBA team that he hoped to get in the future. Completely agree with you. And we brought up his name when, you know, we, were, we weren't sure if Portland was going to be moving, you know, to either Vegas or maybe somewhere down the Bay Area. But you, the thing about this is you can't create insider trading. That's what this whole thing revolves around. He was giving out basically stock tips in advance of, you know, information he knew. You can't do that. Trust me, the government will crack down severely on you if they catch you. Look at Martha Stewart. And I'm not saying this guy's Martha Stewart, but still, you know, big black eye for not only the NHL, the NBA, and for this gentleman as well. You know, I saw an interesting thing, I think it was on CNBC this week, that, uh, you know, these types of cases have increased. Just five years ago, uh, there were, I guess, 1,200 such cases. This year, there's about 1,800. So a lot more insider trading fraud type cases going on here in the United States. Our next headline, last week we talked with Marshall Glickman during our Glickman Global segment about Wimbledon and the importance of the big names advancing as far as they could go in the tournament because tennis's TV ratings have stunk. And if the big names don't advance, people are clicking off the TV and they're not watching. Well, bad news for Wimbledon, bad news for tennis this week because Maria Sharapova, Andy Roddick, James Blake all eliminated early. And Bobby, these are players that the casual fan can relate to. They all have uh, commercial endorsement deals, so you're seeing, you know, Sharapova's Canon and Nike spots. You're seeing Blake in spots. You're seeing Roddick in spots. Now they're all bye-bye, and you're left with foreign players who the North American viewer doesn't really recognize, and they're not watching. Completely agree. The thing that we say on the show all the time, no matter what sport it is, you have to attract the casual viewer. You have to attract the person that doesn't follow the series all the time. Now, with these players out, it's not going to happen, and I feel bad for you know USA Network, NBC, ESPN, all the networks that air Wimbledon because now they're getting no ratings, 
It's just it's it's a brutal time to be a tennis fan right now in America because you don't know what's going on. Well, American tennis is I'm not going to say dead, but it's close to dead and because the American tennis fan doesn't know many of the foreign players outside of Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal and uh, you know a few players like that, it really makes it hard for the sport to thrive. Our next headline and our final headline of the week, I think this one was pretty interesting. The Houston Astros this week released Sean Chacon opting to cut the right-hander after he reportedly grabbed general manager Ed Wade by the neck and threw him to the ground. The team requested waivers on Chacon on Thursday for the purpose of giving him his unconditional release. If he isn't claimed by another major league team by Monday, waivers will expire and his contract will be terminated without pay. When you grab your employer, your boss, by the neck and throw him or her to the ground, you're in big trouble. Yeah, and, you know, we saw this with Latrell Spiegel, you know, way back when, down when he played for Golden State. I don't get it. You know, I understand that players are competitive and they sometimes have anger issues with that. But there's no reason for you to grab a manager or somebody in the front office and threaten to kill him or throw him down and cause harm. What's it going to do? Seriously. Well, it's just stupid. I mean, you know, again, if this is anybody in the workplace and you grab your supervisor by the neck and you throw them to the ground, you're going to be terminated. It's not any different in sports, except for in sports, you have a lot more money at stake. I'm guessing that Sean Chacon probably had a multi-million dollar contract. That's a lot more at stake than me and you. You might want to think twice before you grab your supervisor's neck next time, Sean Chacon, you dummy. All right, coming up in our next segment, we're going to break down the NBA draft. I'm going to give you my thoughts on the TV coverage. We're going to talk about some of the big deals that were made. They can't become official until July, which is ridiculous, and some big, big names change place. We will talk about that next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and this past Thursday night, the NBA held its draft, and it's in New York City. They bring in some of the top players. They have them do a bunch of media interviews in the days leading up to the draft, and there's a big buzz around the draft. And it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. And there's several things I want to cover in this segment with this year's draft. Uh, Number one, let's start with ESPN's coverage of the draft. Not impressive, in my opinion. And, you know, I guess some of it isn't their fault, but a lot of it is their fault. Um, You know, first of all, Bobby Corser, my producer, who's joining me in studio this week, 
Um, I'm just not a big fan of Stephen A. Smith, of Stuart Scott, of Jay Billis. I don't understand. Chad Ford is like the NBA draft guru. He's the one who does all their mock drafts. But then they put Jay Billis on there. Why are they not putting Chad Ford on there? I mean, if you're going to brand Mel Kuyper Jr. as your draft expert for the NFL draft and you don't put him on TV, aren't you kind of uh, screwing up your branding? I just don't understand. And I think Jay Billis, no offense, is, is very milquetoast. And um, I like Jeff Van Gundy a lot. I like Mark Jackson a lot. I like their insight. You know, Van Gundy is coached. Mark Jackson has played. They offer some good insight. But I just, you know, if TNT was doing this and I got to watch Ernie Johnson, Charles, and Kenny do the draft, it would be much more entertaining than watching ESPN. I completely agree with you. The one re- the one thing I will say about Jay Billis, and the reason why they put him on, because he is a college basketball expert. And, yes, most of the players that are drafted come from college basketball. Now, there are a huge influx now of European players, and you notice that he doesn't make comments about them because he truly doesn't know them. He is the local college expert, but I do agree. Chad Ford needs to be there front and center. And listen, Stephen A. Smith, great reporter. You know, he does some digging here and there and comes up with stuff. He's not to be interviewing players. It's just brutally bad. He asked the same questions to every player, and they were so generic. And, you know, it looked like he was in a rush, and it it just wasn't good TV. And... Boy, I do media training for a living. I got to tell you, some of these players and then some of the coaches and the executives that were interviewed via conference call, they could use some serious help. I mean, I've got to throw that out there. Um, You know, the other thing, and this was the biggest thing to me of the entire night, you had some trades that were, quote unquote, proposed that couldn't be announced because the NBA has this ridiculous rule about not being able to announce trades until after the draft there's a moratorium some of these trades if there's players involved who are like base compensation players they can't be uh announced until july 9th so you've got fans who are tuning in who have been very excited to watch this draft they've seen all the buzz they've seen the mock drafts and now there are some trades that are taking place and you don't know 100 percent whether or not this guy is going to be playing on your team for another few weeks after the draft to me that's ridiculous. It takes all of the air out of the balloon when you're watching as a as a fan. You know, you want to see the big trades. You want to see people change names. And I mean, look, one of the best parts of the NBA season this last year is that Shaq got traded, Kevin Garnett got traded, Ray Allen got traded. There were some big names. Paul Gasol got traded. Big names changing places, and that always adds intrigue to your league. Absolutely, and some of the trades you just mentioned happened on draft night. The Garnett deal was a you know a draft day special. The Ray Allen from Seattle going to Boston, another draft day special. I mean, there's a bunch of big drafts that, or a bunch of big trades that are happening. You know, over the course of the week that we found out about, one came down Thursday night. That's huge. But you know, what? we technically can't you know officially make it you know that it's out there. But you know, I know you haven't. I know you were going to mention like you know, but it's just. It blows my mind how stupid some of these rules are. The two biggest trades, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves traded O.J. Mayo and a few other players to the Memphis Grizzlies for Kevin Love, Mike Miller, and a few other contracts. And it's amazing how, you know, in this day and age of the NBA especially, more so than any other sports league, you're not only trading players, but you're trading their contracts. And you're trying to get rid of contracts and trying to get players who have Cap space. I mean, Sean Marion, who plays for Miami right now, 
is an attractive player on the trade market because he's got a $17.8 million expiring contract. If you ever see the words expiring contract next to your favorite NBA player, know that there's a good chance that player might get traded because that expiring contract is cap space to the team that the player goes to. So, you know, in this trade with Minnesota and with Memphis, you've got two guys who have terrible contracts. Brian Cardinal has a two-year, $13 million contract remaining, and then uh, Marco Jarek has three years and $21 million. So you basically got two bad contracts trading spaces. The two main players in this are Kevin Love and O.J. Mayo. Mike Miller, not a bad player at all, played on the U.S. Olympic team. You know, Minnesota probably gets the better of that deal. But, you know, there's one trade that went down. The other trade, you know, and we're based in Portland, and we've watched uh, Kevin Pritchard, the GM of the Trailblazers, just work wonders. Guy's made 10 trades now in the last three years on draft day. He's, He's amazing. He's totally reshaped the Trailblazers roster. But the Blazers... Uh, traded Brandon Rush, who they drafted with a 13th pick out of Kansas, Jarrett Jack and Josh McRoberts to Indiana for the rights to Jared Bayless and Ike Diagu. Now, because Ike Diagu is a base year compensation player, this trade can't be announced till July 9th. So here we are in the end of June, and you've got to wait two more weeks for a trade to be announced. First of all, it stinks for the players who are involved in the trade. They think they're being traded, but it's not quite official. You've got people who have to pass physicals, so there's always a chance the trade could go sideways. And then if you're a team and you want to promote the new rookie that you just drafted and you want to do some marketing and you want to put him on billboards, you want to put him in radio spots, you want to put him in your TV campaign, guess what? You've got to wait because the NBA has a stupid rule that says, You know, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't announce these trades until this happens and that happens. Again, I think it's really stupid that the NBA has this moratorium. And, you know, it's bad for us here in the media because we have to say it's a proposed trade. You know, it's not 100% yet. We don't know. From a fan's aspect, you want your players to come to your city. You know, last year the Blazers brought Greg Owen out the day after he was drafted, had a huge party in uh, in the center of the city. You know, if the Blazers want to do something similar like that, they got to wait three weeks. That's not cool. Well, it's just bad business. And, again, you know, what's going to happen is if they don't start changing these rules, people are going to stop watching the draft. They're going to go, all just tune in two weeks from now when these trades get official. Another thing that caught my eye, there was a record amount of freshmen drafted. I think eight of the first 13 picks were freshmen that were drafted. Here's what's got to happen, in my opinion. This is ridiculous. Either the NCAA has got to require that these players go to school for at least three years, or it's got to be allowed that high school seniors can go into the draft. Because making these players go to school for one year, you're going to continue to see what we saw this week with the NBA draft. It makes no sense at all. Either make them go to school or let them leave after high school. But if we have to go through this charade that they have to go to school for a year, and they're one and done, as they call it, it's bad for the college universities because they're basically getting a player on loan. And it's bad for the players because, you know, you're going to school for a year. You really didn't want to go to school for a year. Why don't you just let the player go to the NBA? Look, LeBron James, Amari Stoudemire, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, there are many players that have gone to the NBA out of high school and have been very, very successful. I think this rule needs to be changed, Bobby. I agree. And, you know, ESPN made the point, you know, watching the draft coverage Thursday night. 
What about development? Because, you know, a lot of these guys have skills coming out of high school, and, yeah, maybe they can jump to the NBA, but, you know, they figure, hey, we got to go to college for one year, you know, maybe work on some development, and then we'll make the jump to the NBA. But I, I think it really hurts the guys that actually have talent but need to, you know, take that next step in college, then go to the NBA. I think that hurts their draft, their draft stock by, you know, having to stay. To me, there's no big difference between developing under an NBA coach or developing under a college coach. And for the people that argue, well, that one year of college is going to make you so much more mature, I don't buy that at all. You know, maybe it worked for Carmelo Anthony going to Syracuse for one year, and he said it made him more mature. Guess what? He's had some problems in the NBA. He doesn't look to be all that mature. I just don't buy that one year of college is going to do that much for you to make you that much more mature before you go into the NBA draft. Now, another trade that took place, and this is one where you kind of go, okay, ho-hum, not a big deal. But here's why I'm going to tell you it's a very big deal. The Milwaukee Bucks and the New Jersey Nets made a deal. Basically, the Nets traded Richard Jefferson and his contract. He's got a few years left and $42 million on his contract. They traded him to the Bucks for Bobby Simmons and Yi Jianlian. Okay? Not a blockbuster trade by any means. But if you're a Nets fan, here's why this trade may be the biggest trade that's ever happened in the history of the Nets. 2010. If you're a Nets fan, keep that date, that year on your calendar. That is the year that LeBron James becomes a free agent. LeBron James and New Jersey Nets co-owner Jay-Z are good friends. Brooklyn will be home to the Nets in the next few years. Now that Richard Jefferson has been traded, the Nets have the cap space to offer LeBron James a max contract in the year 2010. They want to build their team around LeBron, and guess what? LeBron is tight with Jay-Z, and it probably doesn't hurt LeBron to go from Cleveland, a mid-sized market, to New Jersey, one of the bigger markets in the United States. I think there's a 75% chance now that LeBron James is wearing a New Jersey Nets or a Brooklyn Nets uniform come 2010, Bobby, and that could literally shift the focus of this league. I completely agree with you. You're going to have arguably the number one player in the number one media market. He's going to have so much more exposure, not just locally, but nationally now that he's you know in this larger media market. You know, I feel bad for Knicks fans because you know what's going to happen now. You have another team in New York, in Brooklyn. You're basically going to forget about the Knicks if they have anywhere near as bad of a season as they've had over the last three. Well, and poor Knicks fan. I mean, did you watch the draft? And when the Knicks took the kid from Italy, Danilo Gennario, or whatever his name is, and he might turn out to be a good player, but right now people in the United States don't know much about this guy, and the people in New York want to win tomorrow. And when you had Jared Bayless and DJ Augustine and some bigger names that people are more familiar with that could probably come in and make an immediate impact, and you bypass them to take someone that you've never heard of, boy, the Knicks better hope that this kid pans out because if not, then people are going to say, Donnie Walsh and Mike D'Antoni, you're not that different than Isaiah Thomas was. You know, it's funny. As I was watching the draft Thursday, and I made a comment to a guy who was sitting next to him. I was like, you know what? They showed Mike D'Antoni during an interview. And I turned to this guy. I'm like, you know what? That guy's going to have a tough year next year. And he made the point. Well, yeah, because he's got Zach Randolph. And I'm like, you know what? That's true. But this guy's got nothing to go on. He left Phoenix with a crop of talent. And he went to New York, a team that's pretty mediocre. But they gave him a huge contract. They're going to be patient with him. And they, too, the Knicks, are going to make a play for LeBron. I mean, look. 
in the summer of 2010, everyone's trying to clear cap space because LeBron, Chris Bosh, uh, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwayne Wade, those four players all become free agents. They can sign with whoever they want. And those are four impact players, and teams would love those players. So that's why you're seeing teams like the Nets, teams like the Knicks, trying to clear as much cap space as they can to be able to get those types of players. Now, a lot of times in the NBA draft, we remember with LeBron James, he signed the $90 million shoe deal with Nike. He had over $100 million in endorsements before he ever stepped foot on an NBA court. That didn't happen with this year's draft. And in fact, the only player who signed any kind of a decent shoe deal before the draft started was O.J. Mayo, who is now repped by LRMR, which is the LeBron James marketing company that also reps LeBron, obviously, and then Ted Ginn Jr., who plays for the Miami Dolphins. So uh, Maverick Carter, who reps O.J. Mayo now, Got a deal done with Nike. It's a five or it's a four-year deal, actually. This was according to Darren Ravel of CNBC, uh, and I guess Mayo's going to be included in some of Nike's advertising campaigns, and they may do a customized shoe that would be released in Memphis if that's where Mayo does indeed wind up. But you know, you look at OJ Mayo, probably the most marketable guy in this draft, and. He winds up in Memphis. I mean, you know, at least Derrick Rose, I think, has some potential in Chicago. Beasley, if he stays in Miami, is going to have some potential in Miami. Those are two decent-sized markets. But when you talk about Kevin Love in Minnesota, when you talk about O.J. Mayo in Memphis, when you talk about Russell Westbrook in Seattle or Oklahoma City, these aren't big markets, and this is not a draft class where people are going to be beating down their doors at least right away to sign them to endorsement deals. You know, let's look at last year. There was a battle with Nike, Adidas, and Reebok. Who was going to get Durant? Who was going to get Greg Oden? And, I mean, that went on for a couple of weeks, and it made national news. Nobody heard about O.J. Mayo signing with Nike. And the fact that now he's in Memphis, good luck, man, because that's just it's a small market. You're not going to get a lot of national exposure. It's, it's kind of a lose-lose, honestly, for O.J. Mayo. Well, isn't it ironic that Mayo, for many people's reasons, picked USC because he wanted to play in L.A., a big media market? Well, now that's gone down the tubes, and he's going to play in Memphis, and he's going to play in relative obscurity for you know, at least the first three to five years of his career. When I hear Memphis, I think of one thing, and that's a FedEx hub. Yeah. And you know, one other thing I want to say, too, going back to that moratorium, you know, Coaches and GMs and several people were interviewed during the draft. And these interviews are the interview with Larry Bird was the most worthless interview I've ever seen in my life because he couldn't say anything. He couldn't talk. He couldn't comment on any of these deals that were pending, whether it was the Jermaine O'Neal, TJ Ford deal, whether it was the Jared Bayless for Brandon Rush deal. You know, it's just stupid. Again, the NBA and their PR department, their marketing people need to rethink this moratorium because it takes the air out of the balloon and it gets people so they just don't want to watch the draft anymore. All right, that's my rant on the NBA draft. Coming up next, Damon Phillips. He is the VP and GM of ESPN360.com. And if he just heard my rant, he may not want to come on this show. But ESPN360.com, 
they are basically airing some incredible coverage on the internet and it's not exactly what you see on tv it's different it's like its own little network and they've got wimbledon they've got euro 2008 they had the playoff with tiger woods and rocco mediated the u.s open new technology we're going to tell you about that that's coming up next you're listening to sports business radio we'll be right back Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Business Radio. My guest is Damon Phillips. He's the vice president and general manager of ESPN360.com. Damon, thanks for taking time to join us on Sports Business Radio this week. Well, happy to be here. Looking forward to our chat. Yeah, so for the layperson who may not be a technological wizard. Can you briefly explain uh, what ESPN360.com is all about? Absolutely. ESPN360.com is ESPN's broadband TV network. We feature over 2,500 live events each year on ESPN360.com, and the sports range from the NBA to NASCAR to cricket, soccer, and rugby. Uh, We've been around since uh, about three years ago. Uh, we're in 24 million homes across the uh, the U.S., and uh, we're also available on college campuses through the U.S. So what technologies do I need to have to access ESPN360.com? It's uh, very easy. All you need is a computer uh, and a uh, broadband uh, connection, and uh, you have to also be one of our affiliates uh, or be on a college campus, and you can have ESPN360 right there on your computer. Wow. I mean, it's amazing. It seems like... You know, in this day and age, as many people are watching via their computer as they are on TV, have you seen that trend grow over the last three years? Yes, we have. And uh, what's really great about ESPN360.com is the fact that if you are not in front of a TV, um, you get access right on your computer. Uh, this month in June, uh, we've seen some uh, tremendous traction with the Euro 2008. Uh, we have one that is starting uh, on, on Monday. And we also have Asia Cup Cricket. So what you're seeing is for the displaced fan, uh, ESPN360.com has been a great tool for them to have to be able to follow their favorite sports. Damon, talk to us about the coverage. I mean, is it basically the same coverage that you'd see if you were sitting in front of your TV, or is it different, more unique coverage for the online viewer? It's it's different. Uh, With uh, ESPN360.com, what we do is we have three types of programming. Uh, One, we cover major U.S. sports and events. Again, that could be anything from the NBA playoffs. Uh, it could be NASCAR. 
Uh, it could be the U.S. Open, which just took place last week. Um, and we air that on 360 in a very high-quality format. The video, the, the audio is, is TV quality. Uh, so those events are also on TV at times, but what we do on 360 is we create a differentiated experience. With Wimbledon, for example, we have over 250 hours of programming. We're showing multiple courts, different, uh, uh, different matches, so we're giving you more than what's on television. In addition to the major sports and events, we also focus on what we call passion sports, um, sports that are hard to find on, on TV in the U.S., international soccer, uh, cricket, rugby, lacrosse, and even some tennis. So, again, we're showing programs that aren't available on, on TV. And then the last part, what we do with our program is we call the Wild World of Sports, which is some of the, the more uh, eclectic programming. It could be uh, racquetball. It could be handball. So we're scouring the globe looking for those events to bring them to users online. It sounds like if, if you've seen Dodgeball where they have the Ocho, it sounds like uh, you know that's what ESPN360.com, where you're bringing the sports that you know maybe aren't on TV. I think that's great because I think there are a lot of fans from around the world that want to see that stuff, but it's not on regular TV. Yeah, and it's all about the underserved fan. Um, that underserved fan can't get enough cricket. They can't get enough soccer. And uh, we're, we're bringing it to them online, uh, and uh, it works out perfect for us. So it sounds like, I mean, this is like its own little network. I mean, do you have your own announcers, your own, you know, TV cameras? You said you're covering different courts at Wimbledon. Um, yeah, we, we are set up as, as, as a TV network, and uh, we're very fortunate to be uh, part of ESPN, uh, where we have our own production department, we have our own program department, uh, and we'll go out and shoot events ourselves. Um, but we're able to leverage all the great things that ESPN can bring to the table in terms of marketing, in terms of sales. Uh, so we're very fortunate to, to be in that, that situation. I'm joined by Damon Phillips. He's the vice president and general manager of ESPN360.com. Damon, uh, so there's no subscriber fee for this. If you have broadband Internet service, then you're able to get ESPN360.com. Is that correct? Well, the way it works is uh, we are distributed through our affiliates. Uh, and, again, we're in 24 million homes nationwide. AT&T and Verizon uh, are, are two of our national affiliates, and we also have Mediacom, RCN, and there are a couple others. Um, the, the way it works is, is that ESPN360.com is included with your uh, monthly Internet service access to your provider. Uh, so in order to get programming from, from ESPN360.com, you have to be one of our affiliates. On college campuses, uh, there's open access, so as long as you have a .edu domain, uh, you can access on a college campus. Well, that's great. I mean, what a value add for the college campuses, but also for Verizon and AT&T. I would think that it's helped their business quite a bit to be able to offer ESPN360.com. Yeah, what we feel is, uh, as you look at the industry, today consumers, uh, or traditionally consumers have been choosing their Internet service provider based on speed and based on price. We see that changing. Uh, content is going to be so important to users as they make their decisions on what ISP to go with that you know, we're in the perfect position to provide value both to our affiliates as well as to the consumer because they want to see this programming. Now, talk about handheld devices. I mean, we see iPhones. We see all these different things that are out there that allow you to get content on your handheld device. Is ESPN360.com available on handheld devices, or will it be in the future? Oh, that's part of our ESPN mobile effort. And when you, when you think about ESPN, we're able to serve fans whenever and wherever they are. 
Uh, so it could be on the computer, it could be on your phone, it could be on your TV, it could be radio, magazine. Um, so through our efforts with ESPN Mobile, you're able to watch live games on your phone as well. So talk to us about, I mean, obviously you started this network three years ago and you saw the viability and you saw where this is going. Um, what are your numbers, your research, your polling? What does that show as far as you know how many people are accessing scores and accessing um, you know this type of service that you're providing? Well, um, we've been very pleased with the usage of ESPN360.com, the audience we've been able to attract. Uh, later this month, uh, we're going to uh, put out some information on uh, how June has been our, our biggest month to date. And based on those events we talked about earlier with Euro 2008 and the Asia Cricket Cup and College World Series. So uh, later this month, we'll, we'll, we'll put out some usage numbers. Uh, but I, I can say that uh, if you look at ESPN.com and the amount of traffic they get, we get a, a good number of our users from there as well. So we're, we're definitely breaking records for the month of June. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine just with the U.S. Open, I was reading, and we talked about this on our show last week, that uh, you know, so many people got online on Monday during the playoff with Tiger Woods and Rocco Mediate because they were at work. They couldn't get in front of a TV, and it looked like traffic went through the roof. Did you guys offer uh, video of that via ESPN360.com? Yes, uh, we had the, the playoff uh, on Monday, and uh, we couldn't have asked for a, a better situation with that. Um, and you talk about that, uh, that, that person at work who doesn't have access to a TV, um, this is a perfect platform. You're a displaced fan. Uh, you want to watch an event, and we have it for you. So we uh, we did have a record day uh, that day, and uh, as we get to later this month, we put out our results for, for all of June. Uh, we'll, we'll be able to share that with you guys. That's great. So, Damon, before we let you go, uh, throw out a plug for how can people sign up for ESPN360.com or learn more about the service? Well, if you are a, a uh, Verizon AT&T, Mediacom, Frontier, RCN, and a couple other uh, our affiliates, you have access today. All you have to do is log on to ESPN360.com. And if you uh, don't have access today, please call your internet service provider and tell them you want ESPN360.com. And I saw, I was going through the site, it looks like there's all the uh, tech specs on there. It tells you what kind of a media player you need to have and uh, helps you really walk through the steps of installing that media player so you can access ESPN360.com. Very easy to use. All you have to do is come to the site, launch the video player, download the software, and you'll be up and running with, within seconds. Damon, thanks so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio and continued success. Well, thanks a lot for having me and uh, appreciate the time. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, 
We'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back with our final segment on this edition of Sports Business Radio. And in honor of 4th of July weekend next weekend, we're going to be taking the weekend off. We're going to bring you the best of Sports Business Radio. And we have been on a roll as of late with some big-name guests. We're going to re-air some of those interviews in case you missed them the first time around. Jack Nicklaus. Probably the greatest golfer of all time, at least statistically. He of 18 major championships. I've got to tell you, in all the years I've hosted this show, that may be my favorite conversation that I've ever had with anyone. So you're not going to want to miss my conversation with Jack Nicholas. We'll replay that on the best of Sports Business Radio next week. You'll also hear my conversation with Oscar De La Hoya, champion boxer, uh, Golden Boy Promotions owner, This is a guy who's not only making a lot of money by boxing, but he's making tons of money as a promoter, and he's going to be retiring at the end of this year. That's what he's going to be doing full-time, so you'll want to catch that conversation. And Eric Spolstra, the new head coach of the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat have made some interesting moves with their roster during draft day, and Eric Spolstra, one of the brightest young minds in the NBA, really an up-and-comer in the coaching ranks. So you'll listen to that conversation. That's all coming up next on the Best of Sports Business Radio next weekend as we take the weekend off for 4th of July weekend. I want to thank Damon Phillips, the VP and GM of ESPN360.com for joining us on this week's show. Check that out if you haven't. It's a great technology. Uh, our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to SportsBusinessRadio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger. We'll talk to you live in two weeks. Enjoy your 4th of July and catch the best of Sports Business Radio next weekend. Take care. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com.